This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Happy Friday to everybody. I hope you're having a great day out there. we got a big show coming your way today to keep you entertained, so just... Park it in front of the radio, the computer, the speaker in your home, wherever you're listening to the show. We've got you covered today. Uh, coming up at 3, our old buddy Adam Ray will join us on the program. I believe he's got a show coming up here in Seattle soon, so we'll talk to him about that and everything. I was talking to him on on uh, FaceTime the other day, Dave, as he is wont to do. Mm-hmm. He will Often I'll call him, and then um, it's ringing, and he'll call me right back, but it's a FaceTime call. He yeah. loves to be on FaceTime. I know he did that one time from a pool. He was floating around with like this little kitty, uh, you know, flotation device, and it was like for little kids. Yeah, and he was from the pool. But I was down on the field and uh, saw Mark Sanchez. Yeah, who does analysis, and he was doing the game. I can't remember which one it was, and I went up to him and I go, "Hey, uh, I know you know Adam Ray," and I introduced myself, and he just instantly pushed FaceTime call. <laughs> it's just this gig, man. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But, but anyway, he was on a boat. Apparently uh, it's Sanchez's thing, too. Oh, okay. Or maybe he just knows when he's dealing with him. That's how you've it got goes. A, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll talk to him about what's going on, get some laughs at 3 o'clock. We'll roll the tape at 3.30. Uh, Teron Davenport, ESPN Titans reporter, will join us, talk a little bit about Mike Vrabel, who's still hanging around out there. Uh, we'll do best of the rest at 5 o'clock, and it being Friday, we've got mean text coming up at 5.45. So you've got plenty of time to get creative. Text it in to 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Mike, can you try to not run off to Ron Davenport at 4 o'clock by I'm asking him? interested what he has to say. He's going to do a pre-interview before we put him on the air. Yeah. Lefko's going to call him a uh, half hour before. I think he'll just confirm everything, I think. so. <laughs> <laughs> and if he does it, you'll go, well, he doesn't really know. Yeah, the phone he will stop working. He doesn't seriously. understand. He doesn't understand this Ravens situation out there. They're terrible. Yes, Lefko does not like Mike Vrabel as a candidate. Never here, said that. So. I don't uh, think he's a good well, It's nothing option. personal. No. Well, you saying you don't think he's a good head coach kind of means you don't like him as a head coach for the Seahawks. There are better options out there. There are much better (laughs) options out there for the Seahawks. That's all I'm hoping for. Strive to be better than nine and eight. As I've said, he's poisoned the well for me, Dave. If they were to hire Vrabel, I'd be I'd feel a level of disappointment because of I've been been conditioned. I'm not even kidding. I have been to have just sort and, and the game the Seahawks played against the Titans. I was. I was not impressed, and as, as I said, about every other cutaway to him, he was staring down at the ground, and I just didn't understand what was happening. They- I'll tell you what. I am curious, though, if he would be a defensive coordinator again. That could be a really intriguing option. You know, like Raheem Morris, who didn't work out a couple times, became a defensive coordinator. Now he has a head coaching job again. So if Vrabel would be willing to do that in order to boost his stock again. So when was he D.C.? For the Texans, like a year before he went to Tennessee. and Just one year? Yeah. And how how did they perform? I don't know. You don't know. No. Yeah. Well, and it, I'll be curious to see all of these candidates because right now, Dave Seahawks, as I see it, and I think you agree, we touched on it a bit after the show yesterday. They're in a great spot. They're in a great spot, I think, because a none of the coaches they they've interviewed more than once have been hired except for Raheem Morris. Right. He's the only one. So it feels like whoever their guy is is still out there. There's only two jobs left, theirs and Washington. 
Right. So I feel like if they had their guy in mind, like had already interviewed him, they would have pulled the trigger. So that tells me it's got to be one of the two coordinators, right? I mean, because if it's Dan Quinn, why would you be waiting? Well, the only thing I think the only thing that's really hurt them is the Raheem Morris one. But you can understand Raheem going, hey, they're offering me this right now. Yeah. And you're waiting to interview guys after I got to go with the bird in the hand. Right. So, um, you know, and, and he could have been a serious candidate. You know, uh, he, he might have been right up there at the top of their list, but it wasn't enough obviously, that uh, that they would pull the trigger on him mm-hmm. and go, okay, we're done waiting. We want Raheem Morris. So, yeah, it's it's not, like you said, it's it's a good situation for the Seahawks. Yeah, it feels that way. I don't know how they view it behind closed doors, but it feels like everybody they've talked to, with that exception, is still out there, and you still have Ben Johnson and Mike McDonald, our two favorites out there. So if they don't hire somebody by the weekend, if they don't hire somebody later today we hear about it, tomorrow we hear about it, we don't hear anything on Monday. Does that tell you that it's one of those two guys that they're targeting, or at least want to wait to talk to McDonald? Or uh, because there'd be if it's again, if it's Dan Quinn, it would make no sense to just drag this thing out. And why, why, why not? Yeah, you make that offer now. He's he's right there. Right. You've had two interviews with him. Obviously, you know already know him. So that would that would feel weird that they would drag it out and then maybe potentially lose a shot at certain coordinators that they may want or that he may want. Yeah, and I think it's fairly likely that they'll be able to talk to Ben Johnson, you know, after this weekend. But uh, as far as Mike McDonald, I don't know. I mean, I think that's going to be tough for Kansas City to go in there and, and get a win in Baltimore. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I feel like they're comfortable with where they are. And, you know, if if one of those guys goes – I. It, yeah, I don't. I'm I'm very curious to see what what happens, and maybe something happens today. Isn't it? Isn't Dan Quinn today? Isn't he uh, there meeting with yesterday. him? Or yesterday. Was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, anyway, yeah, I, I I like I think Quinn's the safest bet by far. But you know, and I think he knows the culture. He knows John Schneider probably better than any of these candidates, right? Certainly, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I think for him, you can. You can kind of wait to talk to the other guys because you know exactly who Dan Quinn is. But you know, but do they? Well, I guess maybe they don't fear. All the other jobs have been filled up except for Washington, so maybe they yeah. feel like, well, he's not going to go there. Or they, I don't know if he's interviewed with Washington. Well, and we've kind of talked the people we've talked to, like Field Yates. It's kind of sort of a foregone conclusion that you know that they're they're going to get. Was it Ben Johnson? Ben Johnson. I think, yeah. He seems to believe that's right. Going to be, but hey, I like Ben Johnson. He'd be my first choice. My to me, it's one and one a. It's Ben Johnson and it's Mike McDonald. If they got Mike McDonald, I'd be very happy. I, I, I'm just I feel the same way. I'm I'm excited about either one of those guys because I think what both are doing with their teams is is pretty unique in in today's game. It's it's to see especially the dominance of that Ravens defense right now. And again, they have talent. I understand uh, it it takes that to to make it work, but I I just like what I see from both of those guys with their teams currently. So that the idea of them being the new head coach and getting that shot is pretty exciting. Well, and Ben Johnson, I I think the more we go along, and especially if the Lions are able to somehow beat the 49ers and you see Jared Goff go, because earlier in in the year, I was going to ask the question, you know, would you rather have right now, was it Geno Smith or Jared Goff? Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a fair question. But right now I feel like, you know, Jared Goff has been he's been fantastic. I mean, he really has. I don't I'm not sure that he's even better than Gino as far as off schedule type of plays, but as far as getting the right 
offensive coordinator in here and saying, look, this is what we're going to run, kind of like what, what Shanahan does with Purdy. I still think Purdy's good. I do. I just, I, you still have to make those throws. You still have to have the smarts and everything to let the whole progression play out and, you know, be disciplined. But still, you know, I feel like Gino's a little bit better as far as, uh, you know, his his feet. Jared Goff, not known as a as a running quarterback. I think he moves around the pocket a little bit better. So, um, yeah, and I think if you have a guy like Ben Johnson and you bring him in here and, you know, Gino's your guy. I think he can do really good things with him. Oh, I, I have no doubt about it. I mean, Jared Goff, second in the league in passing yards this year, mm-hmm. uh, completing over 67% of his passes, 30 touchdowns, 12 picks, 4,575 yards. I mean, he's, he's had a nice year, and he's he's played well. And we're, we're seeing that, you know, kind of, I don't know, reclamation project sounds kind of harsh. But what he's done with Jared Goff, and we've talked about it, what, what Mike McDonald has done with Jadevian Clowney. Yeah. Two guys that you looked at and said, nah, for different reasons. Just Clowney feels like he's just older. The idea that he's going to, you know, really provide much of of a consistent spark. Like, yeah, you can put him in here, here and there. He's a veteran. He knows what to do. But for him to have the year that he had, to me, says a lot about both these coordinators. What Goff has done this year and what Jadevian Clowney has done this year, yeah. to me, is a credit to both of these guys. And I'd throw Patrick Queen in there, too, because I think – Jordan Brooks is just as good of a linebacker, yet you look at Patrick Queen's numbers. I mean, he's making plays all over the field. So, yeah, I mean, either either way, well, I would ask pose this question. Which side of the ball do you think underperformed more, defensively or offensively? Defense. So well, that's, to me, it's not even close. That's the defense. That's why, to me, Mike, I mean, you, you could argue that uh, the running game never really got going. Ken Walker should have taken a step. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you should have used DK a little bit more, Tyler Lockett. Um, you know, so I yeah. think either either one of those, but I guess I'm biased more on the defensive side. And I feel like that, yeah, you, you mentioned Clowney. I think Queen, um, you look at their safeties, they're they're okay, but they, they make plays. I mean, so, yeah, that's I, – I think if, if they hire either one of those or Dan Quinn, I'm just going to sit back and go, okay, what would you see? What what did you hear? What why is it that they this guy was better than anybody else? Uh, Mark Schlereth, who we had on, who by the way I think was his birthday yesterday. Oh, no. I saw people tweeting him happy, like his daughter tweeting him happy birthday on Twitter. I believe it was yesterday, but uh, so we missed that. We're terrible. We're terrible people. Uh, but he explained, uh, you know, the Ravens defense, you know, how they get the opposing offenses into the situations that they want them in. The other thing I think they do a great job of is attacking your protection from the standpoint of you being on the line of scrimmage and your quarterback identifying guys that he wants the offensive line to go to. And then they're dialed in enough to be able to bring pressure or simulated pressure from the opposite side. And they do that all the time. In today's football, it drives me crazy. You know, I hear offensive coordinators talk about this all the time. We want premium plays. We want to be in the perfect play versus the defense. Like, that's not how football works. You're never in the perfect play. you got to out-execute people. And so, to me, I think a lot of my game plan, if I'm Kansas City, is to break the huddle having declared what we're going to do in protection and then basically run that protection and don't let them adjust their blitz schemes and their simulated pressures off of the calls we make at the line of scrimmage. Call them in the huddle, live with them. I agree with him. You know, there's lots of coordinators off both sides of the ball that will try to get a a defense to stop every single play, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're just, no such thing exists. 
And so, yeah, and he's talking about on the other side of the ball with the, with the protection, just make it work. So, yeah, I mean, look, it, that's called being that's called being a football player. You know, I mean, you get lined up, right? You get the right calls, all that, fine. But, you know, at some point you have to play outside of what your assignment is. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what he's talking about there. And I, I feel like if you give guys uh, simplicity, that's when they can start being that what I always call the third part of the play. The first part getting lined up, second part executing your responsibility, and then the third part is just cutting it loose like Mark's talking about there and playing football. Well, one more on Mike McDonald. This from K.J. Wright talking about just in his opinion, he's, what he's done has been incredible for this Ravens defense. When you look at their, their team, Roquan Smith, monster. Kyle Hamilton, monster. Marlon Humphrey's really, really good. They're, the way their coach put them in a position to be successful is what I admire about them. The way their coach draws up the scheme, draws up the game plan. And you can't just show up, Salk, and just think it's going to just happen on, on Sundays. These guys you could tell and walk through at practice. We're going to watch it on tape. I want it to look like this. When I was with the Las Vegas Raiders, the, the coach, they drew up the entire third down package and everyone understood what the game plan was going into Sunday. And so just what he does schematically is something that <laughs> is really, really off the charts. Can't just show up, Salk. I know you want to. You got you to gotta do some studying before that. That makes me laugh every time I hear that. <laughs> just because it's like he's Salk. It's like, like he's, he's scolding him. him. Like, yeah. what do you think? You can just show up? You can't just show up, Salk. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So there's the case being made for McDonald. Now, again, Ben Johnson is still out there hearing rumors that he's you know, going to be landing in Washington. We'll see what happens. But uh, Tim Twentyman was a guy we had on to, you know, give us some insight. He's out there in Detroit covering the the Lions and gave us some insight as to what, how Ben Johnson has improved this Lions offense. Yeah, I think he's ready. You talk to any player on offense and the level of respect that he has for how he has made every single one of them better. And that's what players want, right? Players want to come into this league. They want to be coached and they want to know that there's somebody there that's going to make them a better football player. And I think that's the one thing when I talk to all the guys on offense, and I think this will certainly apply across um, the entire roster if he gets a head coaching job and, and his you know responsibilities expand. But what he's been able to do with some of these rookies, how they've come in and played, some of these guys who, you know, like Josh Reynolds, right? A guy who's kind of been around the league, you know, been a good player, you know, a lot. But now he's a key member of this team. He makes huge plays and he's gotten better at this stage of his career. And that's what players want. And I think that's what Ben Johnson has proven. And I think if you're a franchise looking for a head coach, you just want to see that you have a guy that can develop talent, not only identify it, but then you know, develop it and make guys better. And I think that's what you're getting with Ben Johnson. Yeah, and I think Amon Ross St. Brown, I think Jared Goff, I think he's their favorite coach of all time. Nice because, job on the name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, his dad's name is Ben Brown, and somehow <laughs> the, the saint part came in. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, was it Osiris? Osiris and... Who was it? Obsequious. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Equiminius? No, equin- equinimius, yes. Is it Equinimius or Equiminius? Which Nimius. Nimius, okay. Yeah, yeah. Get that right, Bob. Make sure you get that part down. <laughs> Equinimius. Um, yeah, but I think they, they love him. And, you know, and I would say the other thing, like Mike McDonald, uh, you look at Kyle Hamilton, one of their, one of their safeties. He's got four interceptions, and he makes he makes plays, and... He's not like the fastest guy in the world. You look at him, he's tall and kind of lanky, and but he, he makes plays, and I think that's because... And I, I was going to ask the question. If if these two guys come in here, let's say either it's Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald, mm-hmm. do you want them 
calling the offense and the defense. We, we, we touched on this yesterday, and initially yeah. I was like, God, is that a lot on the plate of a first-year head coach yeah. to be, I'm overseeing everything and I'm responsible for this side of the ball, whichever side yeah. we're talking about. Is that too much? But their expertise, how do you not tap into it unless they exactly. hire a coordinator that they feel like, this guy's my protege. He's it's my, my right clone. He knows yeah. exactly what I want. He knows exactly how my methods work. And if it's something like that, then I'd want the coordinator to do it. Well, yeah. And then maybe if he does have, like you said, the clone or, or whatever you want to call that guy, he, you know, he can help him out yeah. a little bit, you know, so he can, you know, un, you know, sort of soften the, the burden a little bit. We want him to meddle. We yeah. want him to not give them autonomy. We want him involved yes. on some level. Exactly. But do you feel that way about Dan Quinn? It's kind of it's kind of funny. I feel like you know because he's been a head coach before. Yeah. I think he can handle it, and you know I feel like with him, you you would be I would be more comfortable having him have a defensive coordinator and yeah. then just kind of consult him, and you know and I think if he gets hired, it's going to be because he's like I I got this guy to run the defense that's awesome and it'll be easy and but I, I'm I'm a little bit less <laughs> with with Dan Quinn. I feel like he's more equipped to. Just be a head coach, and you know, even though he's run a really good defense in Dallas, so um, but yeah, I, I just feel like for those two guys that we've been talking about, McDonald and Ben Johnson, I feel like it's like a waste of resources to just make them be the head coach. We want you putting your stamp on yeah. the offense, putting your stamp on the defense. If they if they hired Quinn, I would trust the same thing, that he would have somebody who knows this is what I want, this is how I want my defense to be run, this is what I did in Dallas, and this is my method. What my hope would be in where he would differ from Pete is if things aren't going right, you jump in. I, I get that you, you give your coordinators a certain amount of respect and autonomy and, hey, that's their side of the ball, let them do it, but – my goodness, man, this defense has been struggling for years. It's yeah. not just this year. It wasn't just last season. It's been this way. And we always talked about Pete as this defensive mind. And, you know, he would sort of bristle at the idea that it's Pete's defense and that he's involved. No, it's his guys. Well, I kind of wanted it to be Pete's defense and wanted him to get involved because you needed to. You needed to shake it up. You needed somebody to get in there and go, oh, oh, oh what's going on here? This is what what's happening is just not acceptable. Well, and that's that was part of uh, Pete's loyalty. Yeah, you know? which I respect that good or bad to a point. Yeah, good or bad, however you feel about it. But that that's why he didn't, you know, he didn't want to meddle too much. So, and I think that became more that way. The, you know, the further I mean, I think in the very beginning he was okay with it. Like yeah. putting his stamp on it, you got the Legion of Boom out of that, and then and I feel like around the time when Chris Richard took over, that he started to kind of okay, let's see if these guys can just just run it on their own, and didn't work so. It good. didn't go so well. All not, right, let's take good. two. The Bears continue to grab former Seahawks assistants. They've hired Kerry Joseph, who was Seattle's assistant quarterback coach last season, uh, to be their quarterbacks coach this year. Yeah, we were doing a deep dive uh, before the show on Kerry Joseph, who in the NFL was a defensive back. I had no idea he was the assistant quarterback coach of the Seahawks. Going, well, how does that make sense? This guy is a former pro defensive player. He's in the secondary, and he's teaching quarterbacks about footwork and mechanics. And yeah. turns out he was a quarterback in college. And then after his NFL career, went to Canada. On a team Dave almost played for. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Rough Riders. As a quarterback. And what was he... 
He won an award. Like, was he the no, MVP? He was the, uh, yeah, the player of the year one year when they won the CFL title. At quarter Grey Cup. So I know him as a defensive back. So the, that connection didn't make any sense to me, but now it does. Well, it's funny because I saw him and met him and, you know, uh, see him on the trips and everything. I never saw him coaching up quarterbacks. I don't, maybe he was up in the booth or something like that. Uh, might be. But yeah, that was, uh, that, that was kind of a surprise. It's more of like, yeah, what's a run game coordinator do? What's an assistant quarterback coach do? Sits so in the, in the my question. quarterback room with him, looking at film, I guess, weighing yeah. in here and there. Uh, uh, assists the quarterbacks, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so some key injury notes for Sunday's Ravens-Chiefs game. The Ravens have activated Mark Andrews, who's been out with a pretty gruesome ankle injury since week 11. And for the Chiefs, Isaiah Pacheco is questionable. And their all-pro lineman, Joe Tooney, is out with a pec injury. Is that one gruesome as well? No, but did you, you remember the Mark Andrews one? I did one? not see it. Oh, uh, well. Was we, it? We can go look it up, yeah. Just one of those ugly ones yeah, where... Yeah, like everything crashes into his foot and... Yeah. Looked like he'd be out the whole season. He's a good tight end, man. Yeah, very good. I, it, it's a bummer when you hear it, anybody's out for any of the final four teams. You want everybody at full strength. I don't want I don't want there to be, yeah, but they, they didn't have this guy going, so they lost because of that. No, let me, let's see a full strength versus full strength. Yeah. I mean, I know at this time of year that's basically impossible, so it's a bummer to hear that Tooney's out because he's he's huge for what the Chiefs do on that line, but yeah, and hopefully Pacheco can go. Yeah, Pacheco's a tough dude, man. You look at the, I think he had more of those angry runs that they give out at the NFL Network um, than anybody. And, you know, he can catch the ball. I think he was my guy last week, and I thought he had a pretty good – I think he had over 100 yards to all combined. But, yeah, that's going to be a huge loss there for, for him if he's not able to go. I think, you know, Mark Andrews, you've kind of been operating without him, but to me, Pacheco's the big one. All right, Take Two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife, swedish.org slash Prostate. Coming up, there's an early favorite for a guy who could be the most controversial pick in the NFL draft. We'll get into that next with Michael, with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports. Text line is open for you. We got mean text coming up at 545 today. 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Already a couple of submissions, as you might imagine, Dave. So uh, people getting started early. Oh. Yeah. So you still got a lot of time, though. Get creative. Get creative. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll unveil your your venom at uh, 545. Meanwhile, uh, I almost said this guy's name during the tease there, but... uh, Michael Penix is an interesting story. We talked about this a bit on the heels of that Texas win when they beat Texas in the Sugar Bowl. It, it was uh, it was that he's man. This guy's in the in that conversation amongst the top two, three, four quarterbacks in in all of uh, the draft. And he's is he going to be in the top ten? And you know, people were texting and they got to get Penix at sixteen. And the thought was. He's not going to be there at 16. He's probably going to go before that. That's then, what I thought. Then they play Michigan, and he didn't have a great day. The whole offense, I mean, give Michigan credit. They made that offense look ordinary, and it was just not a great day. And then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, I'm not even sure if he's a first-rounder. And then you, you fast-forward. Bruce Feldman, who was on the Rich Eisen show, uh, was talking about Penix and talking about you know just the, as he calls it, the polarizing opinions that surround him. But some okay. people think he is a top you know, it could be a first round quarterback. Okay. Some people think he 
may not get drafted. What may not get drafted? Oh, and, and, his, and his name is his name is Michael Penix Jr. He may not get drafted in some and scouts' the minds. The concern for some people is going to come back to the medical piece because yeah, he did have four season-ending injuries. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, that's going to be what the doctors tell you know say that. But then there's other parts of this where people are like, you know, I don't think he's a he's we have a third round grade on him based on some of what they look. And this guy, if you watch the Texas game in the semifinal, was spectacular. He was spectacular in that game. I don't think that not drafted. I don't think two game, even two games, would make a difference on what the NFL has him evaluated as. I mean, the, the last game, yeah, he was a little bit, you know, kind of had the yips a little bit. You know, some of the the pressure got to him a little yeah, bit more. But it wasn't great. Not. No, but there's no way that that one game you know, made him go from a first round pick to uh, a fifth rounder or not draft it, you know? So I, I don't think that's the case. Um, I, I've kind of sampled people around the NFL and they're th- most people, pretty much everybody thinks that there is a better choice, a better option at quarterback than Michael Penix. So in mm-hmm. other words, there's a few guys that they think are better, but you know, and the one of the things I heard it was a comparison to uh, to Brett Favre that Michael Penix makes some unbelievable throws, but then every once in a while he'll just sail one. And that game, I think it was against Utah, and they were saying, it, well, it was windy, and you know the the scouts that were there were like, wasn't that windy? You know, some of and he just sometimes every once in a while will just you know let one go and it doesn't go where he wants it to go but I still am looking at what he did in that Texas game I mean that was that was kind of the opposite of the Michigan game because uh, there were so many throws that he made where he was flat-footed there was pressure and then he got pretty much the same thing the next week and it it didn't work out for him and mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what it was that that got him but um yeah I don't the medical part of it is interesting to me, though, because I know that the Seahawks are that way, and I think a lot of teams are, that they have really strict rules on medical. You know, it's like if he doesn't have this, we are not even putting him on our board. It doesn't matter if he's in the seventh round and we wanted to take him in the third round, that the medical part of it is, you know, very much a no-fly zone. But, which makes sense, I guess, depending on the injury. I mean, they took DK. Who some thought would never play? Yeah, you know, serious neck injury. Right, but whatever the evaluation they yeah. got from their doctors. When and then you know on the other side, Ty J Spears, who I was big on last year, Titans end up getting him, um, and he had a pretty good year, but he like didn't have an ACL or something like that. So, you know, they they have pretty strong opinions uh, as far as that their uh, their medical goes. So yeah, I mean, I, I maybe maybe it could be that that that's very interesting to me and. I don't know. It didn't seem like he was hurt a lot. I mean, it didn't seem like anything really bothered him, and he couldn't do anything because of those two knee injuries that he had. No, I mean, uh, he all he did was, uh, you know, lead all of college football in passing yards with 4,900 yards yeah. on the year. Uh, well, he, people were ripping him about who they played. They played and, more top 25 teams than any of these. Yeah. I mean, when they played Utah and when they yeah. played, you know, these teams in, in the uh, Oregon State, Oregon, I mean, yeah, they were playing top-ranked defenses. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I'll, I'll trust the medical if that's that's a different element. I don't know the particulars of what he's 
dealing with. We know he's had uh, two ACLs. What were his other two injuries? Do we remember what those were, Lefko? I don't. No, I think they two ACLs the were two ones. of them. I thought, yeah, that that was pretty much those were were big ones. That's big time ACL. But but he's know, not a he's not. A ru- he's not a running back. He's not a wide receiver. He's not. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's nice. He's mo- and he's shown he can be mobile when he needs to. But he doesn't. Re- he certainly is not a a runner per se. That that's a big part of his game, and he's going to get hit and crunched. That's problematic. Well, I don't want to downplay it too much, but an ACL. I mean, unless there's some kind of complications, which I think with Jordan Brooks there there was a little bit, and he still made it back in record time. Um, but. But you look at most of the ACL, it's it's just become like Tommy John surgery. Like there's a certain amount of time, and it seems to be getting <laughs> the narrower and narrower the the re the rehab time. It's like people can do it in like six months now. It used to be a year, mm-hmm. and so you know, you, like if you're in college, you redshirt the next year, and that's what I did. So uh, now all of a sudden, it's become you know pretty common surgery, and it's it's not that big of a deal. It's like Tommy John. So. Um, not as long of a recovery, but I don't see how that could be either. And like you said, for a quarterback, yeah, I mean, he's got to move around the pocket a little bit, and your ACL is basically what keeps your knee stable. stable. Yeah, yeah. And so if you if you when I had I had torn mine, and they were waiting for it to you know calm down. But what would happen is like I would be standing there, and my knee would just like slip out. It was such a <laughs> odd feeling, man. And is that feeling pain? Uh, that it didn't hurt. It was just creepy. It was like, oh my god! Like you, you know, like when I dislocated my thumb and I had to have surgery, I could take my thumb and put it down on my wrist. Like there was nothing. It's a cool party it trick, there. man. Yeah. <laughs> well, how I found out about it is I always put my hands on the my uh, hips when I was calling the huddle, and it, my right hand or my left hand kept slipping off. I'm like, what's going on? Then the trainer took it and went, like, yeah. That's That's how you used to pick up chicks. Hey, you ever see anybody do this? No, Uh that's creepy. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I mean, I I don't get the the medical part of it, um, if that's what it truly is, just the the ACLs, but maybe there's something else. Yeah, it's, I don't know, the idea that injury has been his story. I mean, that's part of what made him so miraculous and part of the Heisman conversation and what because of what he's overcome physically. So that's not a, this isn't a new revelation like whoa this guy's had some injuries that's a problem. So all of these same people knowing about all these injuries the whole time on the heels of the Texas game were like this guy's top 3 quarterback coming out for the draft is he going to go top 10 like we talked about and then the game against Michigan where he's not great then it becomes well I don't know maybe injuries are problematic I'm like wait a minute the injuries didn't change between Texas and Michigan. Yeah. So we've the, my point is the scouts and all these people and the analysts have known about this the whole time, and again celebrated it as part of what he's overcome and his character and it shows his character and look at look at him now leading the nation in passing and then when he has a bad game against Michigan, ah, those injuries I'll tell you what those those can be problematic. Yeah, it's, it's just uh, weird to me. It, it's strange and you know and it maybe that's I don't know how uncommon that is that the Seahawks have that that policy. I was just looking at Ty J Spears, Mike, uh, with your Titans. Had over 800 yards, three touchdowns, and he looked like he was pretty pretty effective. And I know he had a really good Senior Bowl, and that to me even much more than the Combine. The Senior Bowl 
is where now Penix got invited, right? Yeah, to the yeah. Senior it's Bowl next week. So that, uh, we'll that's where that. you yeah. can totally sway an entire staff if you your work habits and you know, and it's more about the practices. I think most of the scouts and the the coaches and everything they leave. They don't even go watch the game. But it's just that whole week of of practice. You've got all the scouts there. You've got all the um, you know the staffs of whatever team. I think it's. What is it? The loser? I think it's the loser of the AFC and NFC championship game. Are the coaching staff? Are the coaching staffs that go? I'm pretty sure. So, but uh, yeah, that's that's mystifying to me. The best player in the pretty much in the country. Uh, he's one of four that was a candidate for that, and he's he's not even going to be drafted in the first round. Yeah, or drafted period. You know, potentially according to Bruce Feldman, which it doesn't make any sense, but. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right, coming up, uh, we can't end the week without getting some complaints in. So what's bugging Bob? What's bugging us? Coming up next with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on 710. What's bugging Bob? It could be traffic. Hey, 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 hey. It might be Angels fans. I hate you. I hate you. I don't even know you. And it's definitely Stephen A. Smith. I got a lot of problems with you people. It's time to find out what's Bugging Bob. What's Bugging Bob? Presented by Issaquah Pest Control. A reminder coming up at 3 o'clock, our buddy Adam Ray will join us from Parts Unknown. We still don't know where he's at, right? We didn't determine that, Lefko? Because, as I said, last last seen on a boat somewhere. I think uh, with the Impractical Jokers doing a cruise of some sort. I can't remember. We'll, we'll find out. But he's going to join us at 3 o'clock. But uh, this is what we do each and every every week. Uh, talk about what's bugging us. Could be something in sports, something in life. Generally, it's traffic. Uh, you know, with Matt, he's constantly racing Lefko. And there's, there's friction between these two guys. Uh, Matt, what's, what's going on today? Last night, I did something profoundly stupid. You're oh, bugging once you again, again. You're complaining about yourself. Yeah, I'm always the thing that's bugging me, and I'm sure a therapist would have a field day with that. <laughs> Matt is always annoying himself. It really is always me that's bugging me. <laughs> Last year, I read The Dead Zone by Stephen King. Great book. One Fantastic. of his best, truly. Yes. And I'd wanted to see the um, movie um, with Christopher Walken. I'd heard it's good. Oh, that's an old one, right? It, it is. is. That, is that it an is an old one. Yeah. It was a good movie. It's fantastic. Yeah. The problem was... Um, I had waited until it came on a streaming service that I have. It's on Paramount Plus right now. So last night, I finally sat down to watch it. Had my popcorn ready, had a glass of wine, had the whole deal. I was ready. I start it, and it's silent. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, David Cronenberg's trying to like build suspense with this silent <laughs> opening. The first three minutes of the movie are kind of like the opening credits with like the logo of the Dead Zone slowly fading in. And then after that three minutes, it goes to Christopher walking in a classroom, and it's still silent. And I realize what I've done is forget to turn my sound bar on. So I tried to watch the first three minutes of this movie as though it were a silent film. There was there was music under it the whole time. I just wasn't hearing it. I, I, I like that you were making excuses for the director and everything. Oh, they're going this route. No, okay. I, it's kind of it's David Cronenberg. He does weird stuff. This I thought he was he trying to do something. Well, I, nope, I, I'm just an idiot. Matt, I think you're being a little hard on yourself. I mean, you forgot to turn on the volume. And I don't know. I mean... I get, it's not like you forgot to plug in the TV or something. Uh, geez. I still felt you, so stupid, Why don't you give stupid, yourself a though. break? I think 
it wasn't just that I forgot to turn the soundbar on that made me feel stupid. It was like Bob said that I was thinking it was part of the movie <laughs> that it was silent. That was the stupid thing. Yeah, me trying like, to make an excuse you're was like, the uh, dumb thing. Interesting artistic approach. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder why yeah. he's doing this. So this strange. Is a, this is a bold choice by Avant-garde. him. Avant-garde. Uh, the 206 <laughs> saying, I am a therapist, and yes, a field day. <laughs> you could get lots of money from Matt. Oh, you and Matt could have a long relationship. You know what, though? I mean, that's better than blaming everything on other people. I mean, if more people had that kind of accountability, yeah, then, yeah. Yeah, I'd be bl- blaming Comcast. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid Xfinity. What's going yeah. on here? Uh, what about you, Lefko? Funny enough, yeah. Stupid Comcast. Oh, really? If we're allowed to mention them. Well, it's too late yeah. now. You already yeah. did. Well, so you, you called them stupid, so I'm just echoing Well, I said you. it in jest. Well, a, a, I call them goons. A certain goons. cable company that provides internet uh, decided to raise the price. You know, they have these arbitrary free trial periods. Or, you know, you've signed up for a period of indeterminate length, and then all of a sudden, the next bill arrived today, and the price had gone up 50% of what it was. Whoa. Yeah, that's kind of a big... You were uh, on a trial period? Well, every year, you know, it just resets and recycles and i think i'm sure i had to do this again before and call and say why did this go up x amount of dollars so this must have just ended after who knows how long because that was a fun email to wake up to today where the price was now uh 40 more per month in addition to what it already was that, yeah that's a massive that seems increase. like a mistake yeah you, you well can't no, just... it's the new rate because i looked at when i had signed up for it so you must have had some introductory rate or something for a year but like... If you look at their, yeah. So now I have to go deal with a human, and they don't make it easy to get a person on the line. <laughs> no, and they oft- have ways to, to get around that. And often, and this isn't a shot at any ethnicity or anything, I got somebody on the phone that their accent was so thick. Yeah. I felt like me talking to my dad who can't hear. I kept, I kept going, I'm sorry, can you repeat that again? I didn't, I couldn't understand what you said. It was just such a thick accent that I was like, this is this isn't going anywhere. We're just I, I I'm pretending to understand you now because yeah. I don't want to keep asking you to repeat it. You know I I the the one accent that I can never get. I told you guys this English. Uh, maybe a week English. Ago. Yeah. yeah, people in England. I, I'm like, what is that? I, why you thought uh, what's his name was English? The uh, imposter, Brian, Brian yeah. Bosworth. <laughs> oh, Bos. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Bos. The, the worst British accent ever executed um yeah so his twin is british twin <laughs> so good yeah for people that don't know i entirely made up a new an imposter yeah that's it's my british, british accent no yeah so he's trying to do some kind of accent so he sounded different dave invented a completely different storyline yeah there was a twin brother which did not happen at all that he didn't know about yeah that he didn't know about, and he had an English accent. <laughs> I was just sitting there thinking, like, in this movie, what's it called? The Operative. Uh, you it's, bought it. I did buy it. But I you describing that initially was like yesterday, when you're like, ah, oh, I was a former pitcher. You know, he got into a, a brawl or yeah, something. Yeah. He coached here. He Turns played out he's a catcher. a catcher. Turns out it's Bill Hasselman. <laughs> so we were looking for a movie with Boz that was an English-speaking guy who had a twin. Right. Turns out it's like a Western. I have to say, though, his, like his plot was better. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yours was better than what it ultimately was i could have written him into an academy <laughs> award 
Oh man, yeah, that was that was that was pretty bad. And then Seth in Fresno says, "Don't feel bad, Matt. Dave does dumb stuff with technology every day." <laughs> and as you can see, I don't beat myself up over it. Okay, yeah, just, I'm like, it's you just blame the the technology. It's, it's their fault. I did what they told me. with technology. That's part of the shocking yeah, but thing. Don't you go home and go? I've had enough with technology. That's what I do all day pushing buttons and whatnot. Oh, that's another problem. I just go home and watch TV, so I'm still using technology <laughs> yeah. the whole day. There, it's a very simple. Just push this button. It turns on, typically. Yeah. Normally. Yeah, I get it. What about you, Dave? Do you ever find yourself, by the way, uh, at home thinking, dump button, dump button, dump button? You know, it's funny. I really don't. Yeah. No, I, I swear pretty often off, off mic, but yeah. I, here, I've become hypersensitive to it, but no, at home. Mm. Let it fly. I don't have a whole lot. Uh, I had a guy stop at the roundabout in front of me today. But other than that, you know, I complain about that because it's not a stop sign. What What is the purpose? Is that just to eliminate people just firing through residential? The, the, roundabout, the roundabout, I don't, I don't yeah. typically get what, what the point of it is because they're... I see them obviously in residential streets, but sometimes you'll see them in more of a main street area. And I'm well, like, is that just a, it's, a, it's traffic flow? So you don't have a stoplight. Yeah, or a you stop don't, sign. You don't and then stop. everything gets so, backed up. But, but in residential streets, is it just to make sure people aren't yeah. zipping through like Matt Wood racing Lefko? Exactly. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. That they could slow be. people down. Yeah, and so and Unless also it's it it's much on. more efficient, you know. But you have to understand that it's a How yield it situation. If somebody's like. Just getting on to your left, you can go. Absolutely, you can go. So anyway, yeah. But hey, you know what? That's a that's a good sign. That's uh, that's the only thing that pissed me off today. That's a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's only had that one thing. Now we got uh, what about three hours till the the show ends, and so I'm sure that there's plenty of plenty of things to aggravate me. Uh, I'm not looking at Matt. I'm not looking at Matt. <laughs> no, there. no, no. Don't worry, Dave. I'll do my darndest. We'll find something else. <laughs> He'll get something in there. Don't you worry. All right. Dave only has about uh, five minutes, and we'll see if he can watch his documentary in time before uh, Adam Ray joins us next. We're going to talk to Adam Ray coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.